Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I'm doing a softer opening here for this episode because we're doing a Vincent Price film and I can't really emulate his wonderful voice, but I'm at least trying <laughs> to change up the, the the timbre of my voice just to just to, at least thematically work with what he would maybe do. We talk about horror movies on this show. I'm Peter, that is Tim. And uh, sometimes we do older films. And this is actually an older film. In fact, this is a special episode because this is the winner of our Patreon vote uh, from last Mm -hmm. month. Uh, The patrons vote throughout the month for a film that's going to be done next month. Um, This month's vote that's currently up on patreon.com slash TV is a bunch of... uh, Stephen King movies because it's coming mm-hmm. out next month and we thought we'd put a Stephen King vote up so mm-hmm. that's up if you're a patron head over there if you want to be a patron head over there and you can do that but this one so, last month's vote go on mm-hmm. yeah last month was uh, the Price is Right theme and uh, <laughs> this month it's uh-huh. Hail to the King uh, that's a shame actually t- uh, this is not your fault because obviously it's a different presenter mm-hmm. uh, the one you grew up with but the the, 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 the presenter on the, the UK version of the show that I grew oh. up with uh, just passed away this week, so that's that's if you've had a card. My con- my condolences. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know him personally, but <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, as Bruce Forsyth, if anyone's uh, curious oh. about the name, yeah, he 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 was a big presenter. He did like a lot of stuff uh, here. He did Generation Game, and he did uh, Player Cards Right, which was basically. You know, fancy like assistant ladies would you know put out a card, and then the contestants would have to guess if the next card was uh, lower or higher. Mm. <laughs> Riveting. It was surprisingly good. I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds unbelievably simple, but it was surprisingly mm-hmm. fun, and I think a lot of it was down to him. But I, I never really liked game shows. I, don't know. I did. I found them kind of boring. I watched them as a kid. For some yeah. reason, as a kid, I liked. I liked them. Uh, I've not really watched any since my teens mm-hmm. but when mm-hmm. I was growing up and you know you had cable and you had that one channel that would repeat them like you know yeah. ad nauseum um, you know I used to watch a fair amount back then but that's they're always about stuff I don't care about like if like trivia stuff uh, I like that's the closest but I don't, I don't care how much a you know can of groceries <laughs> costs or something yeah <laughs> so, you got your, like a uh, family feud though right yeah that one's pretty fun. Everyone can play along with Family Feud because it's all just yeah, kind of right. based on like you know knowledge or everyday kind of things. Yeah, yeah. That one's fun because everyone can you and your your weird old granny who's like demented, but she can still join in with that. <laughs> I don't appreciate the accusation on my elder, but all right. <laughs> I thought you were going to be really dark there and just tell me, "Pierce is dead." How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Fine, she was demented when she was alive. What do you want from me? <laughs> I don't know your family history. It's interesting we're talking about family histories, though, because that's very mm-hmm. relevant in the movie we're talking about today. Oh, bringing it back. I know, look at that, look at that. That was that was professional. That was professional, <laughs> right back into the movie. Um, we are going to be talking about the fall of the House of Usher, also known in some places as House of... In fact, I think the US originally called it House of Usher until the more recent re-releases where they just kind of adopted all the one name. Uh, yep. But this is a Vincent Price starring film, uh, directed mm-hmm. by Roger Col- Corman, based on a, a story by Edgar Allan Poe. So, you know, you get all these big names, mm-hmm. all these... Uh, Ro- Roger Corman, of course, known for many a B-movie uh, from the mm-hmm. era, from a, from a long and, time. And I want to say Richard Matheson wrote it, or co-wrote it. I'm going to scroll up and find out. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> you're correct, Richard Matheson. 
Yeah, so that's pretty much like a, a who's who, like uh, mm. when you're talking like names of like horror and sci-fi, you know, writers and actors and stuff. Yeah, from 50s, 60s, maybe a bit of 70s, yeah. like that kind of era, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about, that's what won the vote, um, and uh, yeah, so we'll start spoiler free for a little bit, uh, and then we'll give you warning before we go into the deep spoiler cave. Spoiler crypt. Spoiler <laughs> that's crypt. what we used to call it. Yeah, spoiler crypt, yeah. I, I think, honestly, the word crypt just escaped my head for a second, and <laughs> I, I, I panicked and said cave. Fair enough. So yeah, what is the fall of the House of Usher about? Well, mm. it is about a, a man mm-hmm. named Philip who comes raiding into this, you know, big, fancy, rich house uh, mm. in New England, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of smoggy, you know, the, the land's surrounding, it's not very pretty, but he comes in, and he's there to marry someone he met, uh, presumably they were both working in Boston, uh, named Madeline. Uh, Madeline Usher, of course, of the Usher family. Mm-hmm. This is the House mm-hmm. of Usher, after all, as the title has made it abundantly clear. And uh, But he's met with resistance, the butler doesn't really want to let him in, and then... Madeline's brother, played by Vincent Price, uh, Roderick Usher, he he's like, no, you should leave. You can't marry my sister. Don't be ridiculous. Go away. And mm-hmm. as much as it could come off as always oh, being the protective brother, doesn't want you know this this good for nothing idiot you know marrying his sister. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't really play that way. It plays like there's something else going on. Like there's some reason why yeah. she shouldn't marry. Like right away, there's something else to it, and uh, it, it it progresses from there. And a lot of the movie is kind of him as Philip trying to convince. Vincent Price and even even Madeline herself, uh, who is like reluctant to leave, like convincing them that no, it's okay for her to leave and be married mm-hmm. and have a life and what's all that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Vincent Price is convinced that him and her sister are dying and they should never leave the house. Mm-hmm. Why? We'll find out when we talk about spoilers. Mm-hmm. But that's all, that's basically what the movie is. <laughs> Tim, have you seen yes. this before? Is this your first time? Not not only is this my first time, this is actually my first Vincent Price movie. Oh, that's really uh, weird, because this is the only one I can think of where he doesn't have a moustache. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Well, I, this one freaks me out because he doesn't have a moustache. It really weirds me out. I think in general, uh, he really wasn't what I was expecting, because uh, like, I've never seen his movies before, but you know he is such an icon that mm. you know I was familiar with what he looked like and sounds like, and you know I've seen him in clips and everything, you know here and there. So I was actually surprised, like, oh, you know he, like, looks like a young, like, a uh, shaved man, <laughs> like kind of blonde. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like even just before, I think I think uh, House and Haunted Hill was before mm-hmm. this, but he had the mustache, and that mustache makes such a difference. I think he also has his hair bleached in this as well. He's got this really. Oh. bright hair yeah um but it really doing yeah. kind of a spike kind of thing from buffy uh sure yeah but he, <laughs> he's got such a, a different look in this film it's really i mean obviously the voice is the same you hear the voice and you know it's vincent price but until that you're not really sure you're like mm, who yeah. are you you're an imposter <laughs> what yeah. um but yeah so i i guess i'll ask you the question now that i've oh, yeah. not seen it before tim mm-hmm. did you yeah. enjoy the fall of the house of usher uh, I did actually. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, um, and yeah, I was—I don't want to say surprised, but I will say these older, you know, quote-unquote classic kind of movies um, can kind of go either way for me. Uh, I can either absolutely love them, or I can be like bored to tears by them. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like even you know 
some movies that people are like, oh my god, this is great. I can be like, ah, I don't know, it's a little slow and outdated to me. But luckily, this is one of the ones I actually really enjoyed. It just uh, has a really cool look to it. A just very nice sense of like foreboding and just like a really classic like um, era of haunted houses that you don't really like kind of see that much anymore. Where it's just you know a lot quieter and I don't know like slower. I, I guess it's not like. Yeah, even even though I love stuff like Insidious and Conjuring, like it, it's so like kind of visceral and in your face, and you don't really see these kind of this big creepy, you know, cobwebby kind of mansions anymore. I feel like. Yeah, um, I, I I like the film as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's not my favorite of the the Price uh, Carmen team ups. So, they made quite mm-hmm. a few of them together. This was the first of quite a. I mean, I don't know if Vincent Price was in all of them, but uh, Carmen made eight. Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, like so he did a mm-hmm. lot, and Price was in most of them, if not all of them. So, yeah. um, and you know, obviously there's, there's ones that I like more than this. There's ones that I like less than this. Uh, this one's mm-hmm. pretty solid, uh, especially I think the final. You know, it's only it's a short movie. It's eighty minutes. The final mm-hmm. like twenty thirty minutes of it, I think, are pretty great. Uh, yeah. That's when it gets really interesting for me. The stuff before that, mm-hmm. I like well enough. It is it is pretty slow. It's it's kind of it's very old school in that, and I know that Corman's big thing is that he likes to shoot movies really fast, and I mm. think his shooting style kind of shows that he likes to shoot movies fast because he has this very sort of simple style of like all these wide two shots and stuff where they could get the whole scene done in a couple of takes and that's it, mm-hmm. move on to the next one, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and and in fact, so much to the point where later on in the film, when obviously for his climax, he like goes, okay, we're going to get more stylistic here, more inventive, and we're going to do some more close-ups and things, and when it started doing like close-ups where it was like following a trail of blood up to a doorknob, I'm like, oh, this feels out of place oh, yeah. almost, because <laughs> the whole movie till this point has been these wide shots mm. of like just people talking, and uh, it reminds me, it, it almost feels like any horror story that was written, because obviously it's based on a, you know, an older story, that was mm. written before a certain date, maybe earlier in the century, all the characters, all the, all the protagonists and stuff always seem to be rich. It's always mm-hmm. these rich people who have these big houses. Um, so everyone's very proper. They're there to be wed someone or something like that. It's always got this, this proper high society kind of setting to it. Yeah, I feel like before there was, a, there was a time where it was more like this kind of thought of like, hey, rich people are great. We should aspire to be like them. <laughs> they must be really good people if, if they got, you know, so rich. Uh, well, that, that, right. was a, that was a big thing with Psycho, which was actually the same year, funnily enough, but then obviously more so in the 70s when other things started to come in, where it took the horror away from these rich, fancy houses in the middle of nowhere and said, no, no, let's bring the horror into what people see every day. Yeah. Like, that was the whole idea. Um, then all these rich people's, their monocles just flew off. They're like, what? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> We had had a privilege of being in all these horror films, and now all of a sudden it's all these regular working class people. How dare they? How dare they? What? What? So, so there's very much that, and a lot of it is like these people talking, and you know, of course, they have a butler uh, named Bristol, Mm -hmm. uh, who's like, you know, seeing to that every need, and they're this rich family, and it's it's just, it's that kind of. And we never actually leave the house, really. Like the the movies, Mm -hmm. the entire film set there, Um, and again, it feels like you know they built some sets. They used their sets, and that was the whole movie. <laughs> like, that was the whole yeah. thing. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I think because of the shooting style, it does often feel like a play more than a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt that way watching it. It's like, you know, all these yeah. wide shots and these, like, sets. Now, obviously, they moved to different sets, so it's not, you know, a play couldn't quite achieve it, but 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it feels like that a lot of the time, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Um, no. It, it kind of comes from a time where a lot of the horror is like sort of getting to it through discussion, which, you know, these days mm-hmm. most people try to avoid. You want to show raw and tell, but here it's more mm-hmm. like what's not being said rather than mm-hmm. what has been said. And it's kind of because a lot of the movies, Vincent Price kind of not refusing to just flat out tell them what's going on and like, why can't she leave? Why can't she do this? Why, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I thought they did a good job of letting the horror come out through like just the sets and the atmosphere and the, the music I, I thought was pretty good. And, um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, just the very, very classical know, char- music, you know, with very, all these strings and, yeah. Kind of, you know, like uh, Phillips like wandering around at night, and like the the house is creaking, and you're hearing these strings go, yeah. and yeah, and like you you can really feel the um you know the main character uh Philip like his you know um frustration as he's you know like getting closer and closer to yeah I like why can't I be with this girl like what are you hiding why can't you know we we just leave and it, it does a good job of like escalating his like anger and uh, I guess almost like a insanity like yeah yeah you know yeah I mean that's the, that's the thing like he the movie like then touches on like why that this is the way this is you know the, the family history that's led to this because I mean that's I don't think it's a spoiler to say that right early on uh Vincent Price's character, character Roderick says that the family's got a curse or the blood's tainted I think's the exact phrase he uses and it's like oh that's why she can't leave she can't have kids in fact you know when when he's like oh I plan to marry your sister he's like does this dream include children it's like of course it includes children god willing it's like oh god willing if you only knew the horrors I knew and it's like well what's going on tell him you know maybe maybe but then of course if you just tell us then that's half the movie gone because a lot of yeah. it's like him trying mm-hmm. to figure things out and even the butler's like knows more than he's letting on and it's, it's like yeah. what is going because you get the impression that it's kind of a haunted house movie but it's not really mm-hmm. like some stuff does yeah. happen but it's not really about like the haunted stuff building and building until there's a big haunting mm-hmm. thing going on you know it's not really that yeah it, it's that kind of like um almost uh like I, I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of poe uh stuff so i don't know if this is a signature of his but it, it almost reminds me of like a lovecraftian horror where the you know horror is kind of like this madness in, in your mind yeah, or a little bit, a little bit. You know, some something that's kind of more unseen which i i believe poe was a um someone that uh, lovecraft looked up to or admired so that could explain that but really? oh, that's interesting yeah. I, I didn't realize like, I, I didn't know in my head like where like when in time each one like, i didn't realize one was significantly before the other yeah, I, I want to say Poe was a like not like super you know far off, but um, I, I I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I, I believe mm. Poe was like earlier 1800s and Lovecraft. Um, I think he was born in the 1800s, but really like kind of you know got bigger like in the early 1900s. That's cool. That's cool. I could be completely wrong, so don't feel the um, well in the comments or whatever. No, please do. <laughs> Well, actually, well, well. <laughs> well actually, yeah. uh, if, if you just, you know, yeah. uh, if you actually knew your things, you know, maybe you'd understand the film better. Yeah. You goat-loving piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, dear. So, I think we'll go to spoilers, uh, mm-hmm. so we can talk about plot, and I think I think that's where we are now. So, full spoilers from this point on for the fall of the House of Usher. So, 
So obviously, sister doesn't want to leave, and he keeps hinting at things. And eventually, like, there's a couple of like death, like, or death, uh, murder attempts, not death attempts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I speak English, kind of good. <laughs> so there's a couple of like, you know, chandelier almost falls on him. He just dives out the way at the last second. The, the, mm-hmm. At one point, the, the banister for the stairs like gives way, and he almost falls off. Mm-hmm. And it's like the house is trying to kill him, kind of thing. Mm. And we see this big crack in the side of the house, and it's constantly rumbling. And eventually, um, and we find out all these interesting things about uh, Roderick and Madeline. Neither of them, like all their senses, are all very acute, so they can't eat anything beyond really boring things because they taste too much. Uh, mm-hmm. They're very sensitive to light and sound. Like they make like him wear different shoes when he comes in, so they're softer and he doesn't mm-hmm. make as much noise, and all these little things that they sort of build this up. And eventually, like, once she starts taking sick and, you know, Roderick claims that both of them are dying, he uh, eventually explains the history of the family. And he's going through the hall and it's all these paintings of, the, the you know, the, the great-grandfather, the great-grandmother, great-great-great-grandfather, grandfather, father, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, one's a slave or one's a, like a mass murderer, one's like a, a <laughs> drug addict and a, like, whatever. Like, they all had, like, three things. Like, they, mm-hmm. they, they were all the worst people imaginable in multiple mm-hmm. ways. And it's like because of how awful the family is, it's it's put this this tainted blood in the family that everything dies and mm. it follows everyone. And we find out that they actually had a pact. Oh, it when, follows. Yeah, uh, they had this <laughs> pact when they were younger that neither of them they agreed to never have children, so that the curse would end with them. And that's why he's mm. adamant that he can't take his sister. Like it has to end. Um, which is a, it's almost a, a little disappointing they didn't explore that a little bit that she. Obviously, when she was away in Boston, she she and she met him, and they, they fell in love, and they talked about getting married and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. She obviously, you know, like her feelings overcame her, and she like forgot about all this stuff, or not forgot, but at least decided that you know love was worth it, was worth the chance. And it, maybe it would have been interesting if they explored that a little bit more, like her. Yeah, because I, I also because I, I just I, I think it was a complaint to make about mm-hmm. the movie. And this is part of when it was made, but there's one female character, and she is just constantly needing help. The men are oh, talking yeah. about her as if they need to take care of her. She's fainting from like shock repeatedly. <laughs> like she, she, you know, she's like she, she's very much just a, a plot device rather than a character. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, it would have been interesting maybe to see yeah her more outside of the house. Uh, it almost makes me wonder if there's some connection between you know, the house and the madness, like maybe when mm. she, you know, was away in Boston, you know, and away from the influence of the house, if that, you know, like uh, almost uh, cleared her head and, you know, made her more reasonable and, and more, you know, open to these kind of feelings and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder how much this is kind of self-fulfilling rather than actual, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming for you kind of thing. Like, yeah. Um, and we find all that stuff. And then obviously, eventually she goes, she, we find out later there's like a sort of twist where we think she's dead. She's just died from like shock. Mm. Uh, and like Philip's blaming Roderick, but then Roderick blames him. It's like him coming and trying to change things that's, that's caused this death. Like her, her heart couldn't take it and she's mm. dead. And But we find out that she didn't die. She actually, she goes into these like, uh, these these like almost comas, these, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and she, she's in these sort of like uh, comatose like, states. Like a sleep, disorder kind of thing like she falls into a heavy sleep or yeah because I mean, we already established earlier on the film she sleepwalks like you know we find mm-hmm. her like elsewhere from her bed and yeah. like it, it goes through the motions of like putting her in the family crypt downstairs with the rest of the rest of the family and 
then, then when <laughs> Philip realises, he storms off and he starts like searching the house and he searches for for Roderick and he starts banging around. He, I love that when he goes mm-hmm. to the, the the casket that she's meant to be in, mm-hmm. there's this giant, it's like one of the biggest padlocks I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> uh, holding it shut, which he breaks off with an axe in like one hit. Like it's it's really quite. <laughs> Quite, quite an easy job of it, honestly. Huh. Maybe Philip's uh, super strong and he's not letting on. But yeah, the locks weren't what they, you know, not the heavy strong locks we have nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, locks were <laughs> shit back then. That's that's that's, that's, that's the only explanation. So, but she's not there, and uh, there's another coffin that's been chained up, and we think she's in that. But we see that there's like, one of the best shots of the movie. Actually, is probably her hand with blood like coming out oh, of the, yeah. side of the, the casket. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Uh, but basically, eventually, he, he confronts Roderick, and like he's like going mad, and he's, he's there's a great little thing where he, when he's like trying to say that oh she's definitely dead, she's just somewhere else. Like it, it cuts to this chained up coffin, and it, <laughs> it cuts kind of intentionally awkward so that you know that he's like thinking about it in a weird way, um, mm. you know. So so it's just like suddenly entered his head, and it, it, it goes from there. Uh, but the, the final of the movie is that she's actually like she's got the madness. She's went mad. Like this whole experience mm. and being put in the coffin alive has made her go crazy. So she's like, she, she's possessed. She's like a demon, like going through the house. Like I, I like, I like how all this stuff is shot. Like it's all this like close ups of her face, and she's got this makeup on that makes her look just a bit more demented. Her hair's quite big. Mm-hmm. she's trying to strangle everyone she sees she goes to kill her brother and she's like screaming all over the place like you know a banshee like scream and this is where the horror element of this, the movie really kind of kicks in uh, yeah, and she like. she does a like a good job of like you know there's there's something off about her like she, she seems legitimately unhinged you know as opposed to you know someone that is trying too hard or like overacting to be you know super crazy like I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's something kind of like other, almost otherworldly and off-putting about her. I, I think what makes the movie work a lot for me is that there's like quite a shock with how visceral she feels compared because the rest of the film is this kind of laid-back horror movie where it's just all these mm-hmm. these people talking about things, and, and you feel like it's never going to get that extreme. And I mean, arguably it's not that mm-hmm. extreme by today's standards, but just compared to the rest of the film, her the craziness, her like like her eyes and the way it's shot because the shooting style like. That's when it changes. It's when she's suddenly on the list that the, the, the filmmaking gets a lot more interesting, and we have these like following the, the blood drips up the, the door handle, and this is when Phillips mm-hmm. try to follow where she's went because she's like leaving a trail of blood and like all of that stuff's like really suspenseful and it's really cool. And that's mm-hmm. it. There's another scene. The, the first scene where I really like the, the horror elements actually. There's a dream sequence uh, with um, Philip. Yeah, that looks that's that whole scene like looks really cool. You're talking about like when he's kind of like. Um, like searching and then there's kind of like this bluish fog yeah it's, it's, it's like all surrounding him and yeah it's, it's it's bluish fog and then he goes into like the i guess the altar right yeah and like all the family members we've heard about from the paintings are all there and they all turn yeah. around and they're holding like knives and weapons and like they're all <laughs> smiling and again they're completely crazy they're like psychotic yeah. looking and vincent price is even there and he's also smiling at him and it's kind of like Oh, you're being welcome to the family. This is maybe a bad <laughs> idea. Like, what are you marrying into here, sunshine? This is maybe a bad move. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was a really cre- that was probably the first scene in the movie where I'm like, oh man, this is actually this can be quite creepy. Like, because up mm-hmm. until now, it's like I'm enjoying it. It's fun, but yeah. it's like that was when it got oh, okay, right, okay. This movie's got a few more tricks up its sleeve that maybe I wasn't mm-hmm. quite expecting. Yeah, and I like that scene. It felt very '60s, but like in a good way. Like it, it, you know, it was a little trippy, kind of psychedelic. Um, but you know, it, it fits for the time and 
you know, the aesthetic of the movie and everything. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden it turned into a little bit of Carnival of the Souls or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or Carnival of Four Souls, yeah, which is a movie mm-hmm. we'll have to do at some point, actually. It's a fantastic film. Uh, but, um, yeah, so... So, yeah, so I, I like how it ends as well, actually, because it's, it's a really depressing ending where <laughs> Madeline actually does, like, strangle her brother to death. Uh, Bristol, the butler, gets, like, beam because as she's killing him, the fire and then the storm and the, the house itself mm-hmm. begins to, like, you know, all of it comes together and like a fire starts from the the, the fireplace and like everything's burning and it's I kind of like the idea that the house is is the reason why it falls is because the last of the family members are alive. It's almost like if there was a living mm-hmm. relative still there, the house would have stayed up because yeah. there's still someone to torment, but there's not. So Philip gets out because he never married into it and he's like mm-hmm. you know we end with him like outside the the building and it's like actually sinking into the marsh and that's mm-hmm. when we get the, the Edgar Allan Poe quote that you know the last line of the story. Uh, comes up, yeah. which is a pretty cool little touch. If I, what, I mean, I, I hate to critique all special effects, right? Because I actually do think, because <laughs> all of the shots of the house from the outside, I think, are a visual effect. None of them are like it's, I don't think they actually had the house where it was. Like it was all of it's kind of mm. got this fake look to it, but it's kind of cool. Like it's not bad looking. Yeah. But when it's on fire at the end, the flames are the wrong size. And <laughs> they, they look really big, and they, they actually uh-huh. what it actually does is it, it makes like the like uh, Philip look smaller than he is compared to the house yeah. because the flames are so big it looks like a model house is on fire and then he's like in honey i shrunk <laughs> the kids uh so you know I, I can't really blame them they did the best with what they what they were working with but yeah it, it stuck out to me and i'm like oh, that was a bit funny nowadays but hey ho i i like uh you know a little bit before that when they're in the house and it's starting to catch on fire like i could you, you could almost feel like the heat of the flames like on the actors you know like faces and stuff because you, you know they just like lit a bunch of stuff on fire and like most of it just had them like yeah okay go act like right next to this raging like, yeah in and we can't do it again so make make sure it's a perfect take yeah <laughs> don't worry and, uh, i'm actually scared mr director i'll be fine <laughs> and have you did you ever watch that roger corman documentary i have not unfortunately it's uh, something i should probably I, get around to yeah, I forget the name of it, but it is really good. But I remember they're talking about like a more uh, recent movie that he was doing. I think it was some type of like a, either like a shark or a gator movie or something. Was, it, was this you get, you get a rough time frame for this? Was this like nineties, eighties? Uh, I think like two thousands, like oh, you know, okay. maybe like early two thousands, possibly. Yeah. Um, he's been making were... movies for a long time, so depending on when that documentary was made, a newer movie yeah. may have been in the nineties. But yeah, go on. But, you know, the uh, the actors were talking about how, you know, they were doing some, uh, like, uh, like swimming scenes in, um, uh, yeah, I think it was, I forget if it was, like, the ocean or, or a lake, but they were, you know, in another country filming some stuff, and they saw, like, all these, like, warning signs, just, like, you know, these signs with, like, a shark and then like a line going through him like you know and, and the actors are like uh are you sure it's like safe to swim here and like roger corman's like yeah 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 it's fine no we we check with the locals it's totally fine and then of course like later they found out that it it wasn't like you know the locals were telling them like you idiots like don't get in the water here <laughs> that sounds about right um see if i think is if i was directing a movie i wouldn't do that not because, and I'd still be selfish about it. But the reason why I wouldn't do it is because, well, I don't want the actor to die halfway through filming. That's just more oh, problems yeah. for me. Like, you know, forget about their safety. I mean, they can die after I finish making the movie. That's fine. Like, oh, sure. you know, whatever. You know, once once you've done all your dubbing and stuff, that I need you to do. You're free to check yeah. on out. 
but uh, nah, yeah. I mean, he's notorious for being the, the you know the, the low budget, like stick it together with a bit of tape and yeah. get it done kind of guy. But to and be fair, actually... his movies like look pretty decent. Like yeah, and for the, the most part. It, it's actually kind of funny because my most of the stuff I, I know from him is like, you know, oh, he's a super cheesy B-movie guy. But watching this, like, no, this is like a legitimate movie. Like, I don't really feel like this is a B-film, you know? like I, I mean, I, I, I can feel the, like, not cheapness, but, like, I can see how he's been, you know, smart with the money, right, to, to make it yeah. work. Um, mm-hmm. And you can sort of feel, like, like I say, it's shot like a play. There's not a lot of fancy mm-hmm. ideas going on. Uh, and when there is, it's like the, the one dream sequence and then like the, the last like 10 minutes are kind of where all the, the fancy stuff went and then the rest of it's pretty straightforward, how it's shot, how they, how they present it. Um, but that's not necessarily bad, like it works for the time period. I think if you made a movie yeah. like this now and it was shot the exact same way, it would feel a bit weird. Like you, you'd probably go, oh, this, why is it just shot like this the whole time? Um, yeah. But that's part of the thing is like, you know, uh, funny enough on the Blu-ray I was watching, there was a little intro from uh, Vincent Price uh, that... And it wasn't a new intro. Obviously, he's been he's been dead for a while. But uh, it was like I want to say the eighties. Like there was like a one of the, a channel was like showing like all these movies over like the course of like two months or something like that. And he did like an intro for each one. Uh, so it's on the Blu-ray and it plays before the movie. And it's you know it, you can tell it's from like the eighties. It's like a shitty VHS like copy they've got of it from you know whoever still had it. And he mentions that um, the like the film would be shot in like ten days. Um, and like you know, like that—that'd be how quick the schedule was, and like how quick they were getting it in. But it was just, oh. it was—it was fun to hear him talk about uh, all all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so I—I I think it's a solid movie. It—it it holds up relatively well. If you like slow old school movies, I think if you're someone who like can get into old movies like this, yeah, I'll just bore you like the rest though. But yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, if you if you can't appreciate that, uh, at the very least, I think it's you know worth a watch just to, you know, get this like specific type of kind of gothic haunted house atmosphere that we don't really get as much uh, nowadays. Yeah. And uh, I would definitely be uh, remiss if I didn't mention uh, <laughs> that the ending was like such a Castlevania ending, like <laughs> every. <laughs> Every Castlevania game ends with like the hero looking out on the castle as it like sinks into the ground, and uh, that uh, that made me happy to see. Perhaps there's a bit of influence there. Although I'm pretty sure there's probably some actual vampire stories that end that way that they probably oh, sure. took inspiration from. But you know, but I w- I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised though if if there was because the like the original like you know first NES Castlevania games were actually supposed to be a not not like a parody but maybe i i guess like a love letter to like old universal monsters like yeah. to the point where like in the credits they actually list like <laughs> instead of actual people they list like you know um like i think bella lugosi and like <laughs> stuff like that oh interesting yeah. i had uh, some trivia that i did not know them I, I i really like the scene where he i mean re- really small thing but uh, again just a a cool visual of him kind of like sticking his hand on the railing and it's just kind of like sinks into it and it's all like i guess powder or dust or whatever you would say yeah um and yeah not really i mean we mentioned the kind of trippy dream sequence uh yeah i thought that was really cool um other than that and it's it, it doesn't really feel like there's a ton of like standout scenes uh it, it is pretty short um 
you know, and uh, yeah, like a, I'd say maybe the first half or two thirds is kind of, you know, the the same thing. Like not a ton yeah. is. I, I think a lot of it brought up. Is, stays entertaining though, because a you're building the mystery. Yeah. B Vincent Price is a very good actor. Like he definitely. I mean, I don't know if he would be good in like a. Like if you cast him like a like an obviously he's not around but let's say you cast him in like a, a like a I don't know a big Terminator. new movie like you know whatever like a, a like a, pick anything an old movie or something Fast like that. and the Furious well, <laughs> well uh, I think he would class that up a bit um, <laughs> but like in terms of being like an animated actor who's like you know kind of mm. he, he does like comparing it again to a play he, he is kind of like he you know he accents himself, you know himself a little yeah. bit more he. He enunciates. He he's very animated with his like you know mm-hmm. his composure. Real, your stand and a really kind of what like you know you'll, you'll yeah. be very dramatic the way he moves and all those kind of things and mm-hmm. it's it's very fun to watch and I th- I think yeah there's types of movies where that would feel out of place but he he obviously made a name for himself being in all these kind of movies that it felt really right it felt like these not cheesy but mm-hmm. certainly kind of old school horror movies where where that kind of yeah. played off and it worked well with everything else around them um i, I think like you said uh theatrical is a good way to describe yeah. it yeah that's just how he is and then he's got a really unique voice of course as well so um but and then, um yeah one other thing too uh, i'd like to recommend um i never read the actual story but um i did read a lot of the uh like a lot of different post stuff that was a uh, like adapted into comic books by uh, Richard Corbin. Oh, yeah. So um, if you uh, and he does such a, a good job, and uh, I'm I remember this one uh, I thought was a uh, particularly well done. But uh, yeah, I'd recommend if people have any. You've already in... read that adaptation of the story. You you <laughs> you minx. You did not let that on about that. I didn't realize it until like as I was watching the movie. Uh, uh, because, like, I know the name was familiar, like, I've heard it before, but I know I never actually read the book, and then, yeah, like, a little early on, I, I, I was Tim, like, oh, I wait think, a minute. I think you were remembering an old episode of MTV Cribs, and Usher's House was <laughs> of on it. Of course. That's what I think <laughs> yeah, you're remembering. That, that was it. Oh, yeah, that part where, like, Usher's like, yo, this is a crypt. <laughs> you, you know what? See... <laughs> See if they, I don't know if they even named episodes, you know how TV shows have names, like, I don't know if they named episodes of MTV Cribs, but if they did oh, not name they... that one, The Fall of the House of Usher, I would be upset, upset. Oh yeah, oh definitely. <laughs> well, with that said, unless you've got a final point to make, Tim? No, that's about it. Well, in that case, what would you rate The Fall of the House of Usher? Uh, so... <laughs> Even though I, I did enjoy it and I thought it was well made, um, uh, I'm not going to give it like a super high score just because uh, at the end of the day, it's good, but it's not that kind of thing that I'm like, oh, like this is something I'll definitely be returning to a lot and, and I want to watch again. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, a solid seven, which, you know, it, it's good. It's very well done. Um, but do, do yeah, love time, not like you spend quite a while, and sometimes it feels like you're justifying your score to me. Like you're worried that I'm not going to agree with what you just said, <laughs> so you make a point of justifying it, and then you well, get the, to I like and then, I, then you get to the number, and I'm like, Tim, that's the exact number I was going to give it. Why were you so worried? <laughs> like, what's going on? It's not. It's not so much like a a, a worriness. It's more of I want to have an explanation because you know it, it seems weird to be like 
Yeah, uh, House of Usher is a seven, and so is you know Leprechaun three. Like I no, it isn't no, it isn't. You take that back. I just <laughs> Leprechaun three is not a seven. <laughs> I've just given it as an example. Like if like yo, know, if you did like a movie like that that got the same score, I like to have a, an explanation as to why. I'm not saying that these are you know verbatim ex- exactly the same merit of goodness also i but. hate i hate that you're planting the seed that people are going to expect leprechaun reviews at some point from us now oh yeah look out next uh st patrick's day we might have a little mini marathon <laughs> for our folks we're not doing seven leprechaun movies <laughs> for one week or one day right not happening <laughs> besides we actually have some uh obviously we're working through Few, few franchises just now. We're working through Texas Chainsaw, Chucky, and Saw. And the last one I'm not excited about. But so we'll need a, a big new one big, for big, next year. Well, I was going to say, we actually have a couple of other ones <laughs> planned to begin in October. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, but yeah, but Tim, here's the thing. We don't have a deadline for those ones, so we can space them out okay. a little bit more. Right. Whereas these three, we have a deadline to hit because of the new movie coming out, so we're yeah. like, you know, we're in the crunch. Uh, <laughs> Which is why you'll notice the last episode, Texas Chainsaw Next Generation, was like an extra one that came out on a weird day that we don't usually have an episode. Because sometimes, in the next couple of months, we're going to have to fit in a couple of extras just so we can get through all these sequels. But this, of course, was uh, Fall of the House of Usher, which was our Patreon uh, winner for the month of... What was last month? Uh, July. Uh, So, like I say, this month's vote for next month's bonus episode is, of course, all the Stephen King movies. uh, Off the top of my head... uh, Hail Christ- to the King. Sure. We have Christine. That's not Jack Kirby. Christine's in the vote. We have mm-hmm. Sleepwalkers in the vote. We have 1408 in the vote. And we have. Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet, yeah. That was the one Tim said, no, oh, you better put Silver Bullet on there. That's what I wanted. See, I, I, I personally, I actually really like that movie and I would love uh, for that to win because I think that would be a fun discussion. Uh, but I do. Oh, wanna, wait, Tim, you know, I, I don't like this. You're coercing votes right now. Well, no, I just, I just want to say you're coercing the votes. That... I don't like this. It's shady. <laughs> this is backdoor shadiness. I'm not happy about this. If you really want to torture Pete, choose the Sleepwalkers because that is a oof. <laughs> it's going to torture you as well. <laughs> well, maybe I enjoy it. So. <laughs> oh, Tim, Tim, I hate you so much. <laughs> Hate you and your stupid little goat too. Oh, leave leave the goat out of this. You actually have cats, but I like cats too much to insult your cats. It's not their fault you're an asshole. No. <laughs> um, all right, I'm done insulting Tim. Um, I guess we're done. I actually, we're getting all wrapped yeah. up. So yeah, I plug Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. There's perks and bonuses beyond just their voting, but you can check that out over there. You can get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz. You can also, of course, like, subscribe, and let us know in the comments what you think of Fall of the House of Usher and uh, other Vincent Price movies. And of course, we will no doubt end up doing more uh, down the line uh, at some point. So look forward to more. Like I say, there's what some I like more than this one, there's some that I like less than this one. Uh, so nice wide variety of uh, of uh, movies but that is uh, us for this episode so thank you once again for watching keep watching scary movies and Tim's scary smiling face and we will <laughs> see you next time